for the reading of God's Word tonight, Matthew chapter 1, uh, verses 18 down through verse number 25. Matthew 1, uh, verses 18 through 25, and the Bible says in verse number 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And let's pray together again. Lord, thank you for a wonderful service so far, for uh, just the songs that were sung, and that night that you were born, oh, that was so holy, such a special night. And uh, Lord, we do thank you for what you did for us in that. But Lord, as we study this passage tonight that we just read. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to learn lessons uh, from this third instance of when you said, fear not. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, for his sake, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So last Sunday, we started uh, uh, this series on fear not, looking at the four different instances within the Christmas narrative that uh, we had an individual or individuals, a group of people that were told by the Lord uh, through an angel to fear not. And uh, the encouragement for us as we go through this uh, time in our uh, country's history and as we look at all that's going on around us, certainly a lot of it has the potential to produce fear in each of our hearts and lives. Uh, But the message of Christmas, at least one of the messages of Christmas, was to fear not. Now, uh, tonight we're going to continue on with uh, when the angel said to Joseph, fear not. Now, of the four instances in the Christmas record that the words fear not appear, this is the only time when it was not because they saw an angel. Now, it was an angel that communicated that message of fear not, but Joseph wasn't afraid of the angel. Uh, In all the other instances, Zacharias, the reason he was told to fear not, because an angel, and we learn who that angel is, the angel Gabriel, uh, that appears to him, uh, causes fear in his life. And then uh, Mary, uh, when uh, the angel Gabriel again appears to uh, Mary, that caused fear in her life, and the message to both of them was fear not. And later, which we'll talk about on Sunday morning, Uh, which is the shepherds, uh, when they saw the angel and the glory of the Lord that shone round about them, uh, they were, as the Bible says, sore afraid, and the message was for them to fear not. But see, Joseph uh, wasn't afraid of the angel. He was afraid of something 
uh, much different. And before I get to that, I do want to point out that in Matthew's gospel, as you read through uh, verses 1 down through really verse number 17, we, we look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ all the way from Abraham all the way to uh, Joseph, uh, who became the stepdad to Jesus. And in all of these, uh, as you read down through verses 2 through verse number uh, 15, you see a word that gets repeated multiple times. In fact, 39 times. I had to count it three times just to make sure it was actually 39 times. I did that today. Yeah, that's what I do on Wednesdays. I count words in the Bible. Uh, but I counted 39 times the word begat uh, from verses uh, 2 down through verse number 15. And uh, you see, it was so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so, and and on it goes. And uh, they actually have names, but I don't want to take the time to go through all those names tonight. But when we get to verse number 18, here's uh, you see a major change, a radical difference. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. Because, see, it wasn't so-and-so begat Jesus Christ, No. It was something far different because it was a miracle birth. It was the virgin birth. And so I just wanted to point that out as kind of an interesting side note as we go down through this. And uh, certainly there's a message in the genealogy on the different people that uh, God used in spite of the past that they had, in spite of uh, all that they had done in their, in their lives, God still allowed them to be part of the genealogy of Christ. There's a message in that. Uh, we won't focus there tonight. Our focus is on verses 18 through verse 25. And so with that, let's go ahead and jump into our outline tonight. And if you'd like to take notes, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, first of all, let's look at number one, the character of Jesus. The character of Jesus. I'm sorry, not Jesus, Joseph. Uh, the character of Joseph. Who was Joseph? Well, last Sunday night, we spent some time talking about how blessed and favored Mary was, and uh, certainly she's a little bit more of a, uh, of a prominent player in the uh, Christmas narrative. She is uh, one of the more important characters. I mean, of course, without her uh, being the virgin there that would give birth, that we wouldn't have a Christmas. Uh, so her, her role was absolutely necessary and important, but oftentimes when we go through the Christmas story, Joseph uh, gets neglected a little bit. And, uh, and uh, you know, we, we learn how excellent and wonderful Mary's character was, but many times Joseph's character gets glossed over and forgotten. And yet, he was a man of excellent character, as we're going to look at tonight. Verse number uh, 19 really kind of gives us uh, a little bit of insight into Joseph's character. Verse number 19 says, Then Joseph, her husband, after he noticed that Mary, his espoused wife, the, he, they were betrothed, they were engaged when he found out that she was with child. Uh, verse number 19, here's what it says. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. So a couple thoughts about uh, the character of Joseph as we look at this verse. First of all, we, look, we see here that he was a righteous man. In verse number 19, he says, he was a just man. He wanted to do the right thing. 
Uh, and the right thing in that scenario, uh, he could have done a couple of different things. Um, but, you know, as Joseph uh, realizes that uh, Mary has a child, his first thought was not, oh, this must be the fulfillment of a 700-year-old prophecy by the prophet Isaiah. That was not his first thought. And that wouldn't have been anybody's first thought. Uh, His first thought was that, okay, she was unfaithful, and uh, she was with someone else. Um, And uh, he could have been uh, very, very upset about all of this, obviously, and and I'm sure he was, uh, because of the unfaithfulness to him. And then second, uh, if though he was innocent, he would almost inevitably be accused of complicity, which means uh, everybody would have thought, okay, well, they weren't, they're not married yet, but, you know, this must be Joseph's son, and they couldn't wait. And, and uh, so either way, he was kind of in a bad spot. And yet he wanted to do the right thing. Now, uh, what, what he thought happened to Mary or what he thought Mary did uh, was in that day and age, a grounds for not just divorce, but it was also grounds to be punished by death. Uh, Mary could have been uh, executed publicly for what happened here. And yet, of course, we all know she was innocent, but uh, Joseph did not at that time. And so we see he was righteous. He, he wanted to do the right thing says, Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away. He, he wanted to just go ahead and go through with the divorce because obviously she was with someone else, and uh, I know that it wasn't me, and, and so we're going we're gonna to go ahead and put her away. So he wanted to do something that was right. He was righteous, but then I see not only that, he was respectful. He was respectful. In verse number 19, we see that he was also not willing to make her a public example. He could have broadcasted this, made a big, huge uh, scene about all of this. But instead, as he's trying to do the right thing, he's also trying to do the respectful thing. He's trying to do something that's kind and gracious uh, to Mary. And I don't know... I imagine that he did love her, and back in those days, there was more arranged marriages, and, and uh, it was a little less of the googly-eye uh, romance that we all see uh, and we all kind of think of today. It was a little more planned and prepared by the parents, and, uh, and so at any rate, Joseph was righteous, but he was also respectful and decided that we're not going to make a big spectacle of this. We're not going to stone her. We're gonna, I'm going to put her away, and I'm going to do it quietly and privately and uh, just move on with my, our lives. And so we see Joseph was both righteous and respectful. And uh, that's a good godly balance for us to have in our lives as well, to do that which is right, but then also to be respectful to those around us as we do right. You see, some... kind of go on one ditch where it's just doing what's right, and it doesn't matter who, you know, it doesn't matter what people say, and and, and to a point, I I understand that, and they're, you know, if you're going to have to pick one, that's the one you go with, pleasing the Lord and being obedient to God, Uh, but 
there's also those who are focused just on worrying about what everybody thinks and sometimes end up cutting corners when it comes to doing that which is right. You see, we can find a balance of both pleasing the Lord and loving one another. And Joseph found that balance here in verse number 19 when he said he, he wanted to put her away, but he was going to do it privately. He was going to not make a big public spectacle of the situation. And so we see this balance of being righteous and respectful displayed in the life of, of, of Joseph here, but also we see it displayed perfectly in the life of Jesus Christ. Remember, it was Jesus who was the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. The rest of that verse says, We beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So there was a desire for what's right, but then there was also a desire to show some grace and to be gracious with those around us, or with around him and around us. And remember, Paul later encouraged us to have the same balance when it came to our speech. Remember, he said to speak the truth. How are we supposed to speak it, though? In love. See, there's a balance between righteous and respectful. And, and Joseph here finds that uh, balance in verse number 19. And so we see the character of Joseph. But, but then let's look at, secondly, uh, this evening, the comfort of the angel. And this is where we find the words and the phrase that we've been studying, fear not. We find it in verse number 20. While he thought on these things, while he was planning this and figuring out the best way to do this, to put her away privately, uh, while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not, to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So uh, the angel here comforts uh, Joseph in a, in, in a couple ways, and, and uh, he says to him, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. And he was afraid to take Mary to be his wife, because if he did, obviously people are going to talk. And uh, people are going to assume, and people are going to be suspicious, and they're going to potentially be cast aside from all the family and from all the uh, society around them because of what the appearance was. And so he was afraid, and, and uh, the Lord here through the angel uh, says to Joseph, fear not. And he gives him a couple comforting truths uh, that... Hopefully, uh, we're going to help him to not be afraid anymore and hopefully to uh, comfort him as he goes forward. Um, first of all, he gives him the, the, the truth of the purity of Mary, the purity of Mary. And this was a tremendous comfort, I'm sure, because when he understands that the angel that is appearing to him in the dream says, uh, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is not from anybody else other than the Holy Ghost. She is pure. She's done nothing wrong. She, in fact, is the blessed and the favored one who will give birth to the Son of God. She's the one that has been chosen after 700 years after this prophecy of Isaiah came forth. 
she's the one. And that was encouraging to him, I'm sure, to know that she is not guilty of adultery, of being unfaithful. She was pure. And so that purity of Mary was a comfort to Joseph. But then we see, secondly, not only the purity of Mary, but the purpose of Jesus. In verse 21, as he continues on in that dream, the angel says to Joseph, verse 21, and she is going to bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So the angel gave the gender of the baby. Uh, There was no need for a gender reveal. Uh, The angel did that. Uh, So the angel gave the gender of the baby, what his name should be called, and what his purpose was. And his purpose was, he shall save his people from their sins. See, Jesus didn't come to merely help us to live our best lives now. He didn't come to be a great teacher or leader only. He didn't come just to save us from political oppression. No, the main reason he came to this earth was to save us from our sin. Someone said this, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us a financial advisor. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior in the name of Jesus Christ. It was John the Baptist who uh, we talked a little bit about on Sunday morning with Zacharias and Elizabeth, finding out that they were going to have a baby boy in their old age, and his name was going to be John. Well, that little baby that was born grew up, and as he was the forerunner of Jesus, after seeing Jesus in John chapter 1, the Bible says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That was his purpose. Again, uh, yes, he did some other things, and, and yes, he was a great teacher, and, and uh, we can look at the, his teachings and gain a lot from it, but, but ultimately he came to take away the sin of the world and to save us from our sins. Acts chapter 5 and verse number 30, uh, this is Peter preaching here, and he said, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree, Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So he came again to forgive us of our sins and to save us from our sin. 1 John 3 and verse number 5, And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sin, and in him is no sin. See, that's why he came. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, I, I needed the great physician, but someone who would heal not just my physical ailments, but someone who would save me from the terminal disease called sin that we all have. Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter number 4, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. We can be adopted in God's family because Jesus came. 
And that's why he came. And, and uh, as the angel tries to comfort Joseph in, in the state that he was in, and it was a, a state of fear, and, and what am I going to do with this situation? It was awkward to say the least. And, and the angel says, look, you need to understand that your wife is pure, but then you need to understand that the Savior is coming and his purpose is to save us from our sins. Let that be an encouragement to you, Joseph. And it was. I don't know if verses 22 and 23 were part of the dream or if this is Matthew just kind of taking a, a time out to explain what's happening. I've seen uh, Bible scholars uh, believe differently on that. I, I believe it's probably Matthew kind of taking a time out and explaining because he does this on a number of occasions, Matthew does, as he's explaining what's happening. But verse 22, it says, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. And of course, that's our uh, memory verse for the month of December here. And so we see this, the comfort of the angel. But then I want us to look thirdly and finally this evening, the choice of Joseph. So what would Joseph do with this information, with the dream that he just had? How would he respond? And what choice would he make? Let's look in verse 24 and 25 and learn what choice he made. Verse 24 says, And Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, took unto him his wife, knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. So we see here, first of all, that his choice was submissive. It was submissive. He was willing to submit to the Lord's direction and the Lord's word. It is interesting to me that the Bible records no argument or excuse that Joseph gave. Remember, if we go back to Sunday uh, and we looked at Zacharias and Mary, both of them asked questions, uh, were, and Zacharias in particular expressed tremendous doubt that God could do this. But we see no argument here, no uh, verbiage, no no dialogue between Joseph and the angel. Now, I understand it perhaps it was because Joseph was sleeping and uh, he didn't have the opportunity to have that type of conversation. But still, we don't see him hesitating whatsoever regarding his submission to God. This was something he was willing to do. He was willing to submit. Um, Peter uh, Forsyth was right when he said this, the first duty of every soul is to find not its freedom, but its master. And see, I believe Joseph decided that the Lord was his master, and if the Lord was directing in his life, he was going to simply obey. James 1 and verses 22 says this, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. He beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I believe there's a lot of Christians this, uh, this evening that are out there that 
uh, know what the Bible says, but decide that they're not going to do it because it's not convenient, it's not comfortable, it's, uh, they would be the only ones who are doing it in their sphere of influence. It's not popular. And so they just decide that they're not going to do that portion of God's word. And as a result, they're equivalent to looking in the mirror and saying, well, it's just a little bit too much to get this looking right. And, uh, I mean, it takes me quite a bit to get this looking right. I mean, just 45 minutes to get this hair just, just, just right, all the hairs in place, you know. Um, look, we, we all take time to look in the mirror. We all take time to get ourselves ready before we go out into the world. Uh, more important than the physical preparation is the spiritual preparation, taking time to look into the perfect law of liberty and seeing things that need to be changed and actually changing them, actually being obedient, being good doers of the word. Roger Staubach, who led the Dallas Cowboys to the world championship in 1971, admitted that his position as a quarterback who didn't get to call his own signals was a source of trial for him. Coach uh, Tom Landry sent in every single play. He told Roger when to pass, when to run, and only in emergency situations could he change the play. And when he did, he had better be right. Well, even though Roger considered Coach Landry to have a genius mind when it came to football strategy, Pride said that he should be able to run his own team. I'm the quarterback. I'm on the field. I know what should be done. Roger later said, I faced up to the issue of obedience. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony, there was fulfillment, and ultimately there was victory. Because he was willing to submit. He was willing to obey. And you know, as believers, we can try to fight God all day long, but guess what? You're not going to get very far. You may think you won, but ultimately you're going to lose. See, the real way to win in the Christian life is to let the Lord win in our life. And when He wins, we win. And so I want to encourage us to do what Joseph did here and submit to the Lord. You see, Joseph was blessed in his deed because he was a man who was willing not just to be a good hearer of the truth, but a good doer of the truth. When he learned what God wanted him to do, he was willing to do it. There was no argument. There was no hesitation. There was no uh, 14 excuses why he can't do it. He was willing to do it. And may the Lord help us all here at Cornerstone Baptist Church be good doers of the word. Uh, a lot of us aren't necessarily guilty of not knowing what the word of God says, but maybe I believe the biggest problem is that we do know what the word of God says and we're not willing to do it. Let's be willing to be obedient to the word of God like Joseph was. So Joseph's choice was submissive, but it was also, secondly, I see, it was swift. It was quick. You see, he didn't wait to think about it. He just simply obeyed it. He did it right away. Verse 24 says, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, took unto him his wife. It wasn't something he had to think about and dwell upon and, you know, oh, I'm going to give it a couple weeks and then I'll make a decision. No, it was something he did right away. 
In our home, we define obedience as three things. And I'm not going to ask our kids to do it, but I'll just explain what it is. Here's obedience in our home. It means to obey right away, the first time we're told, and with a good attitude. So those three need to all be in place. You guys remember that? Obey right away, the first time you're told, with a good attitude. All three need to be there if it's going to be obedience. If we have to tell you two times, then it ceases to be obedient. If you sit there and you kind of hurt it, but then don't do anything about it, and you're not doing it right away, that's not obedience. And maybe you do it right away the first time, but you have a stinking attitude, that's not obedience either. And see, Joseph, we see him not hesitate. He did it right away the first time he was told. And as far as we can tell, he did it with a good attitude, a good spirit. By the way, this isn't the only time we see Joseph obeying the Lord swiftly. Your Bible's open to Matthew chapter 1. If you look over to chapter 2 in verse number uh, 13. So the wise men come and uh, deliver those gifts that we sang about and what we read about here in verse number 11. Those three gifts that were given. And uh, those three wise men, as they're on the way back to Herod to give a report, Verse 12, being warned of God in a dream, they should not return to Herod. They departed into their own country another way. But then here we go in verse number 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream. So this happens a second time. And here's what the angel says here. Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Verse number 14 says, When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. Once again, we see zero hesitation. We see a swift response to the word of the Lord. As God directs his life, he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't sit there and go, Well, let's see if this really is something is going to really happen about, you know. Does he really mean that? Maybe if I start seeing signs that Herod's trying to do something, then I'll take off. No, he said, hey, wake up. We're leaving. God said to move. We're moving. Okay? So that happened there. But that's not the only time. He Because, see, this didn't just happen once, not twice, but it happened three times at least. Because we see here in verse number 20... Uh, Uh, 19, verse number 19. When Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. So third time uh, an angel comes to to Joseph in, in a dream. Saying in verse 20, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose, verse 21, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. Now lest you think he's perfect... Verse 22, when he heard that uh, Herod's son reigned in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. So still human, Joseph is not perfect, and uh, he is human just like you and I would be, like, wait a minute, uh, this guy is Herod's son, and we're really supposed to go back here? Because if Herod wanted to destroy Jesus, wouldn't Herod's son want to destroy uh, Jesus? But uh, in verse 22, he was afraid to go thither, notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. So 
Here, Joseph is showing over and over again his heart of submission to the word of God and to the plan of God in his life. And he's also showing that he was willing to do so swiftly and immediately. Um, I think about Abraham, who is also one of Joseph's ancestors. When he was called upon God to move his family to a land that only God knew where they were going. The Bible says, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Again, Abraham was a man of faith, and he had less information than Joseph did, and he was willing to follow the Lord without hesitation. Then later on, when Isaac, the promised son, was a young man, remember God called Abraham to sacrifice his son on Mount Moriah? The Bible records that Abraham rose up early in the morning. It wasn't like, hey, let's sleep in. Let's just, like delay this as long as we can, because ain't no one wants to go up to that mountain and... and sacrifice his favorite son. But that's not the way Abraham handled it. He said, I'm going to get up early, we're going to obey, and we're going to obey right away uh, the first time we're told. Is there anybody in the Bible who failed to uh, obey the Lord the first time they were told? Anybody think of a young man or a man by the name of Jonah who ended up in the belly of that whale? He was told to do something, and he didn't want to do it. So the Lord sent that great fish, and uh, Jesus called it a whale. And uh, the Lord said, all right, you ready to go? I'm going to tell you again, go to Nineveh. He had to tell him twice. Uh, let's not make the Lord tell us twice, okay? Not saying that you're going to end up in the belly of a whale, uh, but I'm not saying you won't. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying it's best to obey the first time right away uh, with a good spirit. By the way, God still blesses those who obey him right away the first time they are told and with a good attitude. All right, finally tonight, what lessons should we learn from this third instance of when the message fear not went forth in the Christmas narrative? First of all, doing right and being respectful is a good and godly balance that we all should strive to have in our lives. To do what's right, but also uh, to please the Lord, but also to love one another and uh, to try to find that balance. And then secondly, I would say obey the Lord's word, his direction and guidance with a heart of submission and with a heart to do it as quickly as you possibly can. Joseph did that. And uh, I believe that that was necessary. That particular attribute was necessary, particularly in the, uh, when the angel said to go to Egypt. Who knows if they would have waited too, too long, what would have happened? And so obey the Lord's word, his direction and guidance with the heart of submission and being willing to do it swiftly. And then thirdly and finally and most importantly, and that is to receive the main message of Christmas, the purpose in which Jesus came. He came to save you and I from our sin. Has he saved you from your sin? If the answer is no, then tonight is the night. This Christmas is this, this is the time to do it. Don't wait until 2021. Don't wait until uh, the COVID situation is over. <laughs> we don't know how long that's going to be. <laughs> I wish it was over today, but it's not. It's going to be around for a while. Uh, today is the day of salvation. Let's take care of this. So if you're here tonight and you've never placed your faith in Christ, tonight is the night to do that.